The anonymous landlord is more than just making profit from property. It's a system of automation and a strategy which will shape the way you invest in property forever. It's a quality of life, it's a way of life. It's a business mindset. The anonymous landlord will make loads of money from property and continue to grow wealth and assets without giving up time or energy or life. Because what's the point in making a load of money from property if you've got no time or energy to enjoy it? My name's Tom Sone, and this is The Anonymous Landlord. Hi, this is Tom Sone, and welcome to another episode of The Anonymous Landlord. And today, we're talking about refurbishing a property on a budget, thinking outside the box, and we're talking to a very special guest, a bit of a celebrity actually, because we've got Alexandra from Powell Design and Construction, which is a property development and architecture company. But the reason Alexandra is a bit of a celebrity is because she was featured on Homes Under the Hammer, which we've all watched. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't watched Homes Under the Hammer, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast. But Alexandra isn't just a celebrity for that. She's an architect. She is a property development business owner. And she's a mum. So how she gets the time to do all of that, I don't know. Mum to a very cute Apollo. Cool name as well. Um, And also, Alexandra is going to give us, all of my anonymous landlord listeners, some free resources that will help you with refurbishment costs and checklists for refurbishments, scope of work and so on. So that's an introduction and a half, Alexandra. Thank you very much for joining me, Alexandra. Hey! Thank you so much, Tom. It's a real pleasure to be here and I've really been looking forward to this conversation. So thanks for having me. Oh, good. Well, we've at, you're absolutely more than welcome. And I think this is going to be really valuable for everybody listening to this who either is looking to get into property investment, whether that's for the first time or maybe you've got a property and you want to grow your portfolio. One of the biggest areas of this is refurbishing a property or adding value or developing a property. So we're going to talk a lot about that. And like I said, Alexandra has given us a uh, a resource to help you work out or calculate the refurbishment, the costs involved, how to work through a simple checklist in order to get that refurbishment right and forecast the costs. So I'll give you details of that in a moment, or I might even let you do that, Alexandra. But first of all, let's just talk about, um, first of all, let's get the exciting bit out of the way. What was it like being on Homes Under the Hammer? Oh, it was brilliant. It it wasn't something that I'd ever planned on doing, but back in January last year, we were at an auction, a live auction, um, just before a few months before um, the pandemic, and the Homes Under the Hammer crew was there. They were just in the background filming, and they approached us before we even made an offer, and they said, you look like great people for us to have on Homes Under the Hammer. And I said, well, we're not planning on buying today, but if we do, we'd be up for it. So then I had a budget of 51,000 pounds. I had one property in mind that we viewed and we were very excited about, and it was right at the end of the auction. And so when I had my offer accepted at 50 and a half, 
I was over the moon. So, um, yeah. And then when we got Martin Roberts as well, who's my favorite presenter, that was the cherry on the top. Awesome. Well, it, do you know what? You can watch it on your uh, YouTube channel, can't you? Yes. So I only have one video on YouTube and that's it. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's on my website as well. Awesome. That's Powell Design and Construction, which we'll we'll talk about in a minute because it's a very interesting or it's very interesting work that you do, which I think a lot of people need to follow. Um, and certainly whether they become customers or whether they just learn from what you're doing, definitely, definitely, definitely give them a look. Anyway, so let's jump into refurbishments because it's a really good way to add value to a property that you buy. It's a good way to get a property cheap or below market value. And then you can buy that property, you can do it up, and then you can either rent it out or sell it. But either way, you're adding some value to that property. One of the things that I really admired the most is that you managed to do a refurbishment on a budget. Let's just call it refurbishment on a budget. So could you just give me your advice and your tips and your opinions on refurbishing on a budget? So first of all, I'm a huge fan of buying properties that are either distressed or seriously dated um, and haven't had that much work done to them in a long time because it gives me the peace of mind that everything will be done properly and I have full control. And it also gives me a lot of leverage to negotiate a good price. So that's my starting point. I would never buy a property that doesn't need a serious refurbishment. So whether it's back to brick or something less sort of in invasive, um, I think considering your scope of works for the refurbishment is really, really important because it has such a huge impact on your numbers. So if you're aiming to achieve the maximum done at value for your street, which I think we always should be, we should aim to be in the top 5% of properties that we're offering as professional landlords. Um, then we need to think about, you know, will we need a new roof? Are we going to need to replace all the flooring? Do we need a new kitchen, a new bathroom? Do we need a full rewire, partial rewire? Um, you know, how much replastering is going to be involved um, how are we going to redecorate and have a sort of vision for the property before we even place an offer. Think about how far do we want to go? Does it need new windows? Um, there's, there's so much to consider, which is why I've put this checklist together, because it's really easy to walk around a property and miss some really important things. And usually it's the small costs that add up um, and um, yeah, can take a, a refurb from uh, on budget to um, over budget. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, one thing you just said there I really liked was aiming for the top 5% of landlords. That's, that's a brilliant thing to aim for. And you're talking about finishing and quality of work and so on, aren't you? Because there's so many landlords that just cut corners and do the, the bare necessities to try and get the money. A cat lick. But in the long run, that's never going to work because if you're buying in the buy-to-let um, strategy, for example, and a few of the other strategies this applies to, surely 10 years down the line, you want to have the peace of mind that you replaced the roof and you did everything you needed to, including uh, damp proofing and any of those serious jobs that are so much better to do when you buy the property rather than further down the line so for me it's about thinking long term it's a it's a sort of future proof strategy to make sure that your income is secure yeah. and by targeting that top of the market you're also targeting the best tenants so it has a real knock-on effect that you're going to attract people who are proud to call this place their home who look after it and love it as much as you do and so far this has been my experience 
I absolutely agree with you. I think we're also starting to see a bit of a shift, aren't we, in um, investor landlords, so they're called, who, you know, used to be in the old days, you just buy a property as cheap as you can, do the absolute minimum you could, throw a tenant in there and just get what you can and for as cheap as you can. But now I think there are so many more landlords that have the same mindset as you where, well, I want that tenant there for 20 years. And in order for me to get those tenants in there at the, the top uh, return on investment I can get, I've got to do a good job. Look, I'm not exactly. saying throw money everywhere and just be a crazy money spender, but, but certainly, yeah, you're absolutely right. Getting that quality right will attract a quality tenant. But people's fears are, if I go for real high quality and premium work, then what if I get a tenant in there that's just going to smash the place up and, and not pay the rent anyway? That's a fear, isn't it? It is, but even if you've done a cat lick, you're still going to have damage that you'll have to repair. So for me, it's more about investing upfront, doing correct due diligence, not rushing a tenant in, and being realistic with your expectations for the rent um, and your expectations for your done-up value if you're refinancing. Um, because you can't expect top rent and top DUV if if your, your property isn't up to scratch. Um, yeah, and then there's always landlord insurance, there's always deposits, there's ways to protect yourself. But as I said, if you show pride in the work that you've done, and I often communicate to the tenants how much work we put into the property, I might email them photos of how it looked before so they can feel engaged and understand that as a landlord, I care about them and I want them to love the home and enjoy it. Yeah, I, I love that. That's a really good message, I think, for any landlords out there. Um, but we also, it's quite funny because we're talking about refurbishment on a budget and we've also mentioned premium, high quality, good finishes. But you kind of do both, don't you? You, you refurbish on a budget at a really good level and, and quality. So could you give us some tips and advice on how you've done that, how you've kept the costs as low as possible on, you know, kitchens and bathrooms and um, finishings, furnishings, all of those sorts of things? So my top tip is being creative, thinking outside the box and bargain hunting. So I'm all my husband and I are always on um, on various marketplaces. Um, we we always look for end of line sales when we go to look for flooring, for example. We have really good relationships with our kitchen suppliers. So sometimes we might be able to get an X display kitchen. Um, and on Facebook, for example, you can very often find people who are just getting rid of a kitchen because they've moved into a house. It's not the color they wanted, you know, or they're making their kitchen open plan and they need to get rid of it. So for us, the cost of just going over and taking out a kitchen and installing it in another house, putting in a really nice worktop, you just can't even tell. Um, so, yeah, my top tip is always go for a new worktop and get some nice feature tiles. And then it doesn't matter how basic your cabinets are. That's a really good tip. Yeah, when it comes to kitchens, you just have to decide where you want to splash your money, really, because there, there's always going to be a budget. But where do you spend it? I'm not saying don't spend money. I'm saying spend it really carefully. So for a living room, for example, I'll oft, often look for feature lights that are secondhand, just clean them up and put them up. And it, it gives the house a bit of character. Um, another thing is for bathrooms, whether you go for a really, really cheap white three piece suite, 
but then invest in a nice flooring, it lifts up the whole room and makes it look stunning. Um, and another top tip that I absolutely live by with my refurbs is attention to lighting. Don't just have cheap pendants hanging down, especially if you don't have very high ceilings. Um, invest in spotlights. So you can get spotlights that are only 12 and a half millimeters deep, which is the thickness of a plasterboard, and they can be fitted in any room pretty much. Um, obviously, there's the cost of the rewire, but it really gives a premium feel and people walk in and they just, they can't always put their finger on why this space is so much better than other houses they've seen, but it's that kind of brightness and the clean finish and um, that sort of minimalism that the house already has that really makes a difference. I absolutely agree. And, you know, you, you've mentioned a couple of things there, which I certainly believe in, too. And I really agree with you because, number one, kitchens. If you walk into a kitchen and the kitchen is OK, it's run, it's it's worn down and it it looks a bit worn out, so to speak. But I always say, can I improve the layout of this kitchen? If the answer is no, if, if the actual layout of the kitchen is fine, then you might then look at the carcass of that kitchen. And as you've said, work, new worktop, easy, and new cupboard doors. You can keep the carcass. You don't have to spend tons of money on new kitchens. And you can actually yeah. find some really good deals on, on cupboard doors. So, yeah. Or yeah, even really something as simple as nice doorknobs. So I yeah. recently ordered some doorknobs off Etsy. They're handmade, they're absolutely beautiful. We didn't need that many, but it's made a huge difference to an otherwise really plain kitchen. Um, so for me, it's all about attention to detail, whether it's a door handle, um, you know, the, the other trade secret is paint. Like, you know, colored paint doesn't cost that much more than gray or white paint. However, it can completely transform a room. Um, and there are tricks you can do with paint. So you can paint your woodwork uh, and your doors one color and your walls a different color. You can draw lines to kind of bring the ceiling height up or down um, and there's all these kind of visual tricks you can do um, and you just need to communicate that to your decorator and have a clear plan from the beginning so for me even if you're doing a baby buy to let something really really simple don't underestimate design design isn't just for a fancy hmo or serviced accommodation it applies to every single strategy yeah it's, it's you're you're going well away from the standard white walls and grey carpets throughout. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's no difference in cost, whether you go for a, a, a grey carpet or a different colour, you know, mix it up as well, because as landlords, we don't want to be bored. We don't want to be doing the same thing over and over. And, you know, there's some incredible accounts to follow on Instagram, but some of them are a bit samey. So, you know, we fall into the trap of the white metro tiles or the grey grout, and we all end up, I've, I've done it, and sometimes clients ask for that, and it's absolutely fine. Um, but sometimes it's fun to mix it up. Yeah, I love that. I think that's fantastic. All right, let's, um, let's, so we've talked about kitchens. What about bathrooms? How can we think outside the box with bathrooms? So as I said, flooring for me is the biggest trick. Um, yeah. You know, you can have um, a, a vinyl which has a nice design on it that can actually look like tiles. And that's a really cost effective way for literally 50, 60 pounds. You've got an incredible looking floor. And I've had properties where the tenants 
turned up and made a beeline for the bathroom and said, we have to see this room because they can't, they can't believe there is not tiles for a start. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just a really simple way of making a statement. And everybody wants to live in a house, especially the younger generation wants to live in a house that looks like it's fallen out of Pinterest and it's not that hard to achieve. I love it. I love the way you're describing these things as well. It's almost like you're, you're really focused on the design to attract the right tenants to to get the right level of rent because i also notice in the house that you bought on homes under the hammer you'd forecasted about 450 a month rent and you ended up with 550 rent just purely down to design, we had a couple right? of tenants yeah we had a couple of tenants who really wanted the property and just said you know I, i'll offer more than you're asking for the price isn't the issue so that gave me the luxury of choosing the tenant that i wanted and um, so yeah in a way you can redefine the market value the the, the rent and um, because at the moment if there's a ceiling price on the street maybe that's based on the quality of properties that already exist yeah yeah really good point uh, and I love that whole bit you mentioned earlier on about being creative, thinking outside the box. And yeah, a really good point about being samey. You know what? If you're an investor, landlord, developer, and you want to grow your portfolio, whether you're doing tons of flips or buy to lets or what I call flip to let, some people call it a buy, refurbish, refinance. Uh, if you're doing any of those or all of those, then you don't want to just go into the same house, white walls, gray carpets. I, and I've fallen into that trap. So I'm going to try it out because, again, I like the colors that you did in your video there and, um, and the different things. So I'm going to try that out. I'm going to try and mix it up a little bit, be a bit yeah, creative. You don't have to be crazy. I'm not suggesting orange walls and neon, <laughs> um, neon doors. But, um, you know, my, my rule of thumb is keep 80% the same and switch up 20% and then okay. test what works so in your next refurb do 80 percent as you normally do and then choose a couple of elements to switch up because you don't want it to be overwhelming and you want it to be neutral enough that it appeals um to to a, a large audience but equally i'd say don't fall into the trap of trying to appeal to everyone because that's how you end up with magnolia and nobody really likes <laughs> yeah oh my goodness me i've seen so do you know what? i've been doing this for 20 odd years. I mean, my main business is, is lettings management. And, you know, over the years that has changed significantly. Like I now operate a national lettings management agency, just using great tech and people and so on. But the one thing that hasn't changed, mag fucking Nolia. Oh my <laughs> God, no one likes Magnolia, but yet people still do it. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, it's because you're trying not to be offensive, but that's yeah. not the ideal route. You want someone to love the house, not to not hate it. And it looks like it just looks like a dull, dreary yellow. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I think in a way, grey is is the new sort of uh, culprit yeah, here because grey is such a draining colour. If you don't use it selectively, it can bring the whole space down, especially as we live in a country that isn't the sunniest. <laughs> I grew up in Greece and I'm used to a lot more sunshine. So you do need, and you know, lockdown has taught us that we need our houses to be more bright and airy. And um, yeah, and another tip that I have for very adding value very cheaply is virtual staging. I think, you know, the, there isn't a cheaper way than virtual staging to really bring character and lifestyle into a house so people can see it 
and instantly fall in love with it or imagine how they would live in a space because not everybody can visualize an empty property yeah and do you know what there are quite a few virtual staging companies out there aren't there i mean i use um a company called property box for some of my prop my companies have you are you using a company direct let's actually do you know what before we do it let's um, do you want to explain what virtual staging is for people that might not know? Yeah. So virtual staging is the process where you either take a model of the a virtual model of the property or ideally a photograph of the property completely empty and add furnishings and artwork, clocks, rugs, lights to make it look like it's a home that's lived in. It's a much cheaper option than bringing furniture in and it's much better than photographing an empty property. Yeah. And who do you use for that? Oh, hang on. Can you say that again? Who so do you I use have, for that? So I have a couple of individual um, sort of self-employed virtual stages that I use. I found them through Instagram. Absolutely love their work. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. Do, if you want me to do a specific shout out, I'd have to look at their accounts because I can't remember their Instagram. Nah, don't accounts. worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's all right. So, so, but actually the tip is good that you've just given me there in that you know you found your virtual stages on instagram and i think a lot of people might not think to go and look there they'll just automatically search google virtual staging and then they'll come up with those companies like property box and uh, i think it's photo doctor and those sorts of companies mm. but not people that just do it no, I prefer to develop a relationship with another designer and I like to support small businesses. I'm a small family run business. So um, I think that, you know, we, we attract people who are similar to us and that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I like that. Um, okay, so look, we've, we've been through a couple of the main rooms of the house. Of course, the kitchen and the bathroom is arguably the most important rooms. I like the idea of the lounge. You talked about some um, some usage of colours and uh, thinking outside the box. I love that creative side of property. I think it's why I like property because you can be creative. You go into a wreck and you start imagining what you can do with it. And then you're creating a product to sell, aren't you? Or Exactly. Let. It's a satisfying process. I find it very fulfilling. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, so, okay, I want to talk a bit about um, your own investment strategy, if you don't mind, because I think it's important for landlords, property investors, property developers to hear the stories and opinions of other people that are in the same boat. Mm -hmm. um, but before we do that, just tell us a quick bit about your company. So we are Powell Design and Construction. We're a husband and wife team. I'm an architect. My husband is a heating engineer and a project manager. So we offer services all the way from sourcing properties, design, obviously, any planning, building regs, and all the way through to construction and um, interior design. So we, we aim to work not only with private homeowners, but especially with investors to help them through this journey, whether they're experienced or they're brand new, and sort of hold their hand through and give them as much value from our past experiences and our transferable skills from our past jobs. Um, so Richard and I have only been self-employed for about a year and a half. Uh, we've only been doing property for about a year and a half, but we sort of accelerated our journey by getting some property training. Um, we studied lots of free resources, podcasts just like yours, um, and we started a buy-to-let portfolio by selling our renovated home. So we took the, a pot of money from um, our home, 
we reinvested it in a couple of terrace houses and that's how we started our buy to let portfolio. However, since COVID hit and the property market started to go a little bit crazy, we found it increasingly hard to find deals that stack when it comes to the buy, refurbish, refinance strategy. So we had to shift um, our plan a little bit and now we focus almost exclusively on bungalow flips. And so there are quite a few reasons why we like bungalow flips. Um, there is a surplus uh, stock of uh, dated two to three bed bungalows. They're not being built anymore because they take up so much land. Quite often they're being demolished to build two or three terraces in their place. Um, and I've been involved in many new build developments and there's very rarely a bungalow on there because they don't make that much financial sense. Um, but the benefit of bungalows is that usually they've only had a couple of owners over the decades. They're really well looked after and the work that needs doing is mainly cosmetic. They tend to have fewer structural walls because they're only single story, so they're easier to open up and modernize. Um, there's always potential of going up into the roof, um, which kind of defeats the purpose of the target audience. Um, but for me, it's about creating a low maintenance garden, creating a walk-in shower, really understanding the people that are gonna live in these properties, future-proof them for them, and then achieve a much higher um, asking price, uh, sale price, because people who are retiring or downsizing and tend to be cash buyers are prepared to pay a premium to avoid an extensive renovation. Um, so that's where we're placing ourselves at the moment um, and doing these flips instead of trying to grow a buy-to-let portfolio against the odds. Yeah, very exciting. Very exciting. I've just bought a bungalow myself, actually, up in uh, Darlington. Oh. Um, so, yeah, and I hear you. you. People do pay a bit more for bungalows, it, it, not just selling, but renting as well, because there's... Exactly. yeah. It's supply and demand. That's, you yeah. know, that's how economies work. Um, because Absolutely. there's a lot more demand than there is supply. People are living longer, you know. Um, people need bungalows, and, yeah, we can provide yeah. them. All righty, all righty. So that's good. We'll come back to that, because I think one of the biggest questions that the people that want to get into property, they, you know, everyone's scrolled through Rightmove. Everybody's looked through Zoopla and spoken to estate agents, but really finding the property deals is the biggest challenge. Once you've bought the property, if you bought it at the right price, refurbishing, renting, selling, that's kind of the easy bit in comparison to finding the right deal in the first place. So, the fact that you source properties as well is really good. So we'll come back to that in a second. Um, so your own property investment strategy then is just that. It's bungalows. Um, you're pausing the building of a buy-to-let portfolio for the time being. But I guess that if one comes along. Of course. If something take... comes along, we'll buy it. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. So what's the goal long term? So... We're doing this probably for the same reason as many other people. We're trying to future-proof our family's um, income. You know, we want to travel more. Um, and, uh, yeah, we want to have that freedom of working. We never want to stop working, but we want to have the freedom of choosing what we do with our time. So, eventually, I'd like to design and build our own home. So, we're going to need a few more properties before we're in a position where we can dedicate ourselves to these passion projects. Um, but in the meantime, we really enjoy what we're doing. And I think it's important if you have a business to kind of tie it into property so that you can always be working towards your end goal. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like that 
idea of, you know, I always broke it down into three phases. I used to do a lot of mentoring. Um, I don't do it anymore because I kind of, I kind of got a bit sucked into it, if I'm honest with you, but, um, and training or all those things. And I always used to break it down into three areas. So you'd have your first, which is your, um, I guess your financial freedom, you would call it phase one, which is what do you need in order in, as income survive. Yeah. in order to survive and not have to work. And then there's your, uh, your next one is almost like your, your life freedom, which is the, the phase that gives you that financial freedom and surplus to be able to go and, like you say, go traveling whenever you want, buy whatever you want, drive whatever car you want, and so on and so on and so on. And then the other one is your dream, your dream freedom, which is, you know, if I want a 50-foot yacht, or a, I don't even know if that's a good yacht or not. I've not got, I'm not a yacht guy. But, you know, if I want to buy a jet or if I want to go and buy 10 houses in Dubai or something like yeah. that, then yeah. that's your dream freedom. Yeah. And really, we're all doing it for the same reason, aren't we? Yeah, for me, the dream freedom that you just described is not appealing. Uh, material sort of goods don't interest me that much. I want us to be comfortable, but I never want us to stop working. I think there's a danger that if if you have too much money, especially if you're not born with it and you're not used to it, that you can start to lose focus on what's important, your relationships, your job satisfaction, your, um, you know, your fulfillment and how much you're giving. So I think it's important to kind of stay maybe in that second level that you described where you're covering your basics and you've got a bit of extra you can contribute and you know you can show some gratitude for how far you've come inspire other people and um, I think that's the the ideal place you want to be and give the opportunity to the next generation so your children to succeed at an even higher level than you did yeah I agree and and you know I, I a lot of this for me a lot of this property and business so I'm a business owner and, and I'm into property as well on the side what I'm trying to do is grow all of that in order for me to be able to show my kids I've got two young children to be able to show those kids hey kids this is how you do it this is what you if you want to achieve something this is how you can do it and by working and focusing on your goals and setting setting milestones to achieve those goals and you know I don't like the phrase of never giving up because I think that actually you probably should give up if you're constantly chasing a bad thing. Um, but you know, the idea of your goal is your goal and you just drive towards that goal and you focus on, on the correct strategies and the blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I'm waffling there. But the point is, is that I'm doing it to teach my kids. I'm not going to give them all the money in the world. They can go and achieve their own goals. Um, but I want to show them how to do that. And I think that's invaluable. Exactly. Yeah, and I think having that um, sort of financial education is really important because we can't expect schools to teach our children um, how to manage money, how to make money. You know, they won't know about compound interest or, you know, any leverage or any of these concepts, which we as investors sort of live and breathe in a way. Um, and it's it's really important to talk about saving and investing and you know taking risk but calculated risk and yeah. you know doing your due diligence doing research uh, and that nothing's going to fall out of the sky you have to work for it yeah i'm with you okay so look um so we know that uh some really good tips there on refurbishing on a budget being creative thinking outside the box um and now we know a bit more about you and your husband and your goals for 
um, growing your own portfolio, building up your cash pot and, and so on and so on and so on. How the hell do you manage all of this as well as being a mum? I have one word for you and it's outsourcing. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, let's get into outsourcing. <laughs> so my motto since I started the business and a lot of people already know this about me is do what you do best and enjoy and outsource the rest. Um, I say enjoy the rest because I do enjoy it when I give a task that I don't like to someone else. So um, as soon as I started my business, one of the first things I did was to recruit a virtual assistant. Um, at the, and now I have multiple virtual assistants and it's something that grew gradually, but um, I also got a, a property a mentor and a business coach. And it all seemed very counterintuitive. I gave up a really nice salary to be paying myself less than minimum wage working for myself. Um, but it just made sense. So in the long run, it's, it, you know, it's, um, it's really worked out for me. So the first thing that my uh, business coach told me is get yourself a cleaner, get yourself a gardener, you know, outsource things like your weekly shopping, anything that you don't have to do yourself that someone else could do for you, make sure that's in place. Um, so all the tasks of data scraping and doing comparables and booking appointments and viewings and following up with estate agents, I don't need to physically be doing this myself. And um, I need to focus on raising finance, finding deals, building relationships, networking, giving, you know, uh, giving knowledge and experience to other people and growing my business in that way. So I was trying to work on the business, not just in the business. Um, and for me, it's that kind of mindset that you have to treat your business as if it's established right from the beginning before you even have a property, you know, um, you know, have a website, have a social media presence and do this gradually, but consistently. Um, you know, have a really good filing system, make sure you've got processes in place. As soon as you can start automating, delegating, um, for me, that's that's what's made the difference and has enabled me to grow my business. Well, you're, you're talking to the Messiah right now, because that is the whole point of the anonymous landlord. It's to, you know, the anonymous landlord started out, by the way, as being about if you're a landlord outsourcing your outsourcing all the things that are required to other people because what's the point in making loads of money from property if you've got no time to enjoy it exactly so yeah that's where and all this started everything you know you sometimes it's counterintuitive to pay a cleaner instead of doing your own cleaning but think about the value of your time and what you can achieve in an hour versus 10 or 12 pounds that you're going to pay someone else and it's the mental load that's lifted as well when you feel supported and you have that network underneath you you can just excel because your mind doesn't limit you to the hours that you have in a day. Um, and then with childcare, I've completely given up of um, giving up mom guilt. Like a lot of people talk about mom guilt. I was raised by a single mom who had three children, eventually four. She had a business. She lived in a foreign country. She had no support. Um, I'm going to get choked up, but basically my mom was my inspiration that if you work hard, you can provide your family with everything that they want. So the fact that I have a supportive husband and just one child, um, you know, I, I don't see that as an obstacle. I see it as a, a real motivation. And my son goes to nursery five days a week. He has an absolute blast and they teach him better than I could at home. Um, and then we can at least enjoy our evenings and weekends as a family. 
Um, so yeah, it's about, I'd never say work-life balance. I'd always say work-life juggle because you're never going <laughs> to have yeah. all the balls in the air at the same time. And that's okay. Like nobody's perfect. I absolutely love that. Absolutely love it. Do you know what? My mum was the same. She had five children. We had no money. We had nothing. And my mum just grafted. That's all my mum knew. Just graft, graft, graft. And we, we sometimes we would struggle to have a, a decent dinner on the table because we had no money. We went through a period of time going sofa to sofa because mum couldn't afford the house that she was living. She was very young when she had me. But I never knew any of that. All I knew was that I had my mum and we were just having a great laugh and it was all just so much fun. And I never went out, you know, our holidays, yeah. while all my friends were going off to different countries and that, mine was in a tent in a field because... But I didn't know. We just had a great it's good time. fun. Exactly. That's the thing. Kids of... don't know any different. And That's right. I think you have to think in 10 years time, is my son going to look back at this time and appreciate it? Or is he going to look back at it and think that he was hard done to? And I definitely think, you know, he'd be he'd be glad that we did what we did. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? Same here. What I got out of all of that was, you know, what well, all of that stuff is just in your own head you know actually all you need is is yourself and your own graft and your own drive and your own goals and my mum had her own goals of launching a dancing business and she did that and you know she might not have made a ton of money but she grew a big successful dancing school that gave success to so many different people so she's my inspiration too so I really hear you brilliant yeah and I'm sure she made some compromises along the way and that's what we have to do when you set your priorities and you're working towards your goals other things become less important so for me watching tv is not important it just doesn't happen in our house and um, you know we really value meal times we we would never sit on the couch and have a quick like microwave dinner for us it's cooking from scratch, sitting at the table. I think it's the Greek in me that, you know, that's really important family time. And even if it's only an hour a day, it has to be good. Because sitting next to each other, watching Netflix for three hours is not family time. And, mm. you know, I, I'd rather have that time, enjoy it, put the baby to bed, get back on the laptop till 11 o'clock at night, doing what I need to do to grow the business. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's, it's, it's lovely to hear that as well, because you mentioned earlier on about mum guilt. And I think a lot of people feel that they're depriving their child. And I'm sorry, we've drifted off a little bit here, but it's fine. It's all relevant. It's all business, right? But they might feel that they don't have enough time because they've got this dedication to the child, which is absolutely necessary. But to use myself and yourself as examples, we've, we've compromised. And my mum did the same in that she would concentrate on growing her business and providing as much as she can. But it wasn't about money. It was about providing as much love and enjoyment and happiness as possible. And I look back on my childhood as a very happy one, even though my mum put me in various different childcare, um, friends and family and so on, so that she could go and grow us a life. And what I now look back on is what a fucking lesson you've taught me there, mum. Mm. You know? And your social skills, your communication skills, that's everything grows when we're, when we're little, even before we even go to school. So yeah. for me, that kind of being adaptable and being able to survive in different environments, um, they're, they're all life skills. We, we need them. We can't just be attached to one parent for our whole lives. 
do you know what? How the hell have we gone from talking about refurbishment on a budget to design and architecture to property investing and developing? And now we're talking about our mums. That's just brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's all interlinked, you know. That's we've we've gone back to the beginning of you know how this started and you know it's about showing our kids that there there aren't limitations you know you, there are setbacks and there are failures and you know you you never you never lose you either win or you learn and and that's the way forward yeah conor mcgregor said that very famously <laughs> um so okay let's try and get back to property because people listening to this do you know what i don't think we will have lost anyone there i think actually what we're saying is hey we're all just normal people we all have our childhood challenges and our current stresses and panics and problems. We all have that. And what we're doing is showing how we can overcome that, how you can overcome that. So, OK, look, there are going to be people that are going to want to talk to you after this, because what you've done, in my opinion, anyway, and I'd love to know what other people think of this. What you've done, in my opinion, is you've said, hey, I'm just a regular person. And I am achieving my goals. And I also own a company that can help you achieve your goals. And I'm always up for a local business. Uh, all right, you're not local to me, but I'm always up for a little local business trying to drive forward. So if people want to contact you, Alexandra, how can they do that? I think the best way is Instagram at Powell underscore properties. And there we have links to our website and all our other social media. But um, Instagram is a, is a core of my business. And that's how we grow our network. That's how we find most of our clients. And that's where we organize networking calls, uh, where I offer my advice to help other people get along. Brilliant. Well, look, I think from this conversation, you are a true anonymous landlord because you are the ultimate outsourcer and like I said earlier on this kind of all started just focusing on landlords but it all start it all kind of stems from me in that I like to outsource as much as I possibly can in business and in property um, so that I've got all of my time to spend with my sons and my wife and my family and my friends um, so from the anonymous landlord following Let's just put you on the spot and say, what do you, what's the biggest fear that people have to overcome in outsourcing everything? I think it's the, the lack of control. But at the end of the day, if, if, you know, if it takes you twice as long to demonstrate a task as it would to do it yourself, but then someone else can do that task for you indefinitely over and over again, and it takes that load off your plate and you can focus on other things, you know, it's it's invaluable. And I'd say specifically, if you have a virtual assistant, for example, based in the Philippines, you're reducing your cost of outsourcing. So that's a way to get started. Um, but also you're working while you're sleeping, which I'm a big fan of. So due to the time difference, you can outsource a task at 10 o'clock at night and you can wake up in the morning and it's done. So you're literally maximizing your day. So I think if you start framing it in a positive way, it's easier to make that leap. And again, I'm happy to talk to people about outsourcing, Brilliant. how to recruit the right people for your team. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm quite passionate about doing that and helping others with it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, just before we, we wrap this up, what's the top couple of tasks that you outsource to your virtual assistants or VAs? What's the top, top couple of tasks? So it's mainly admin tasks such as 
inbox management, diary management, and booking viewings, finding properties, doing comparables. So as a property investor, those are the three key things that I um, have delegated to my virtual assistant. Brilliant. Do you know what? I've got two virtual assistants myself, so I can vouch for them, both of them based in the Philippines. Um, so I can definitely vouch for them. And anybody listening to this, I think you're going to agree with me that that interview, is it an interview or a discussion? Who knows? But that discussion was packed with information and advice from a real life person, a real life mum and business owner who is achieving goals and moving forward constantly. And you're so clear with everything, Alexandra. I hope you don't mind me saying. Um, and it's a breath of fresh air. Um, so look, contact Alexandra if you want to get real clear advice on how you can move forward in your own property investment goals. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm going to wrap that up there. Anything you want to... Oh, we, well, we have forgotten something, haven't we? Have we? Yes. You have got a free resource for all of my listeners. Do you want to tell us about that? Indeed. So I have been working on a document, which is a scope of works with indicative costs. So I've put this together from the perspective of a property investor myself, but also as a construction company owner. So my biggest issue with uh, quoting for refurbishments is that people don't have a clear scope of work. So I want to give you a full detailed breakdown of almost anything you could imagine that needs doing to a property. So next time you're doing a viewing, you can literally tick the boxes of what needs doing, hand it over to your builder and make sure that all your quotes are like for like, but also you already have an idea of what your refurb should be. Brilliant. And where can we get that? So it's almost finished. I'm waiting for my virtual assistant <laughs> to put the finishing touches on it. So it's all formatted. So shortly it'll be going on my website. But in the meantime, if you send me your email address on Instagram, I'll just send it to you. Awesome. Well, I'm going to download that as well, because I love learning other people's opinions and, and forecasts and estimates and so on. And you can never stop learning when it comes to refurbishments. So well, I've really enjoyed that. I probably and Pete, the geek inside me is probably going to say that this is one of my favourite interviews that I've done. Um, so, only because you know I like the idea that I do an interview or a discussion like this, and my head is just full of how is this going to help my listeners. And I mean, I've probably got three different interviews in here in this one. Oh, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. I love your energy. And obviously, I've watched some of your YouTube videos before. And when Karen said that she did your podcast, and you really big them up. And I love their course. I've done I've done the workshop. And I've, I've had tremendous value from it. And I'm, I'm really proud of my business plan and my finance document. Um, and it's all because of the information that they gave me. So yeah, it's it's all about everybody sharing their expertise. That was my wife just calling me there. <laughs> if you could hear that. You're in trouble. <laughs> um, it's probably actually my son FaceTiming me on my wife's phone. But yeah, he's So awesome. you're not at home? Say again? Are you not based from home? No, I'm in my office at the moment. I've got this, I've got a one-year-old and a five-year-old. I've just turned five. They're adorable. So, I've seen their pictures. Oh, you have? Yeah, they're awesome. I, they're the whole reason for everything. And it's just... Yeah, really, yeah. I just need a couple more properties before I'm ready for a second baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll vouch for that. Yeah, and we're we're done. We're done now. Two two is good. Two's a good. Two's plenty. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, absolute pleasure, Alexandra. I really appreciate you taking the time out to share all of that knowledge. 
And as we've all we've both said, if you want to contact Alexandra for more advice, more tips, and more insight, or even just a chat, Instagram is the place to go. It's Powell underscore properties. But for the time being, hopefully, this is one more thing that can go towards everything. Because as I always say, if you're going to be the best version of yourself at one thing, then you've got to be the best version of yourself at everything. My name's Tom Soane, and would you like to do us an outro? Thank you very much for having me, Tom. It's been a real pleasure, and um, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Speak to everybody soon. Thank you for joining me, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. But before you go to the next episode, I really want to hear from you. Just search Tom Sone on any social media, or just email me, tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode. And if you need any help with your own situation, just get in touch. I'll answer every email and every message, I promise. Anyway, see you in the next podcast, and remember, being a landlord is hard. Being an anonymous landlord is easy. Invest, enjoy, repeat and grow.